Hey, happy Valentine's Day. This is the Critical Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Lyle Bragoon. And uh, today I want to talk to you a little bit about drug testing. That's right. Uh, drug testing has been a big topic in uh, my professional world lately. And uh, I've noticed that a lot of people don't quite understand uh, what drug testing actually means. There's been a lot of uh, confusion. So in particular, I want to talk about methamphetamine testing. So methamphetamine is uh, kind of this interesting compound. Uh, it actually has two forms. Uh, chemically, we would call it the stereoisomer or enantiomers. And what that means is that um, the chemical in, th- in two-dimensional shape looks identical, but in three-dimensional shape, it, there's actually two different chemicals. And that's because in one case, you can actually have uh, part of the compound sticking out at you. And in other cases, it's sticking out uh, away from you or towards me in this case. And biologically, that, that is important. And so there's, there's two different forms of methamphetamine. There's the levo form, so levomethamphetamine, also sometimes called levmetamphetamine. It's the same thing. And then there's this other form called the dextroform. And the dextroform um, is the mirror image, we would say, of the levo form. And so what, what happens is because it, the easiest way to think of it is, is like with locks on your door. So your lock has a very specific shape. And there's a key, right? And that key has to have a very specific shape. And if those two things don't match, you can't unlock the door. And that's what's happening inside our bodies. So our brains will respond to the dextroform. The dextroform has this, uh, this one part of the compound sticking out in such a way that it actually can fit into the lock inside your brain. And then what happens is it'll activate these proteins. And then it's kind of neat your neurotransmitters just start spilling out. And so it, your neurotransmitters just start spilling out of the the, uh, the nerve cell into the space called the synapse, and it'll start activating the other nerve cells. It's really, really cool. But here's the thing. Only the dextroform can do that. The levoform can't do that in your brain. It, it can't bind to that protein and then cause your neurotransmitters to come out and cause all this crazy firing. That doesn't happen with the levoform only happens with the dextroform. So what's up with this levoform? Well, it's kind of interesting. The levoform actually is an over-the-counter drug. Let me see if I got it still. It's an over-the-counter drug. So I bought this at CVS. This is a nasal decongestant. This contains levomethamphetamine. That's right. Levomethamphetamine is in this product, which means, guess what? You take a drug test. This product here is going to give you a positive methamphetamine test. That product is not the street drug. It is not dextromethamphetamine. That drug right there does not go to your brain and cause dependence. It does not cause you to, you know, want to seek out more of the drug. You don't become an addict. You, you will not become addicted to this over-the-counter form, which is why you can buy it over-the-counter. Like You could go, I went to CVS, and purchase this over the counter. It's right there on the floor. You can purchase it it's with all the other nasal decongestants. It's a great nasal decongestant. But here's the thing. That form will show up as a positive on your drug test. This can have huge ramifications for people. 
huge ramifications. Think about it. Think about if you have a if you have a job where you're drug tested and you come up positive for methamphetamine because you're using an over-the-counter product, you probably don't even know that that contains lethal methamphetamine and that that is going to give you a positive drug test. You would never, most people would never even imagine that scenario even happening. This can't be real. People tell me it's a, that can't be real. There's no way. I used to be in the job where I had to be drug tested all the time. Right? I worked at the Army. I had security clearances uh, that required me to be drug tested very routinely. Thankfully, all my drug tests were clean. But I guarantee you, if one of my drug tests came back positive, the first thing they're going to do is I'm going to have, have a chat with somebody and explain all the different drugs I'm taking. Most people forget to list their over-the-counter drugs. I sometimes forget I'm taking Claritin. I take Claritin almost every day. And I forget that I take Claritin. So when I'm at the doctor's office and they ask me about, you know, what drugs are you taking? I'm thinking, ah, here. I don't have any, uh, no antibiotics right now. Uh, I'm not taking, um, you know, I haven't had any asthma flare-ups. So I'm not taking anything for that. Um, you know, what else? Uh, maybe some fish oil. Maybe, I don't know. But do I remember the Claritin? No, I don't remember the Claritin. So they always have to ask me. Are you taking Claritin? Because I told them a long time ago. And so there's a, are you taking Claritin? Oh, I'm taking Claritin. I forget my over-the-counters all the time. I sometimes forget even the prescriptions I'm on. If I'm on, right now, I haven't been on prescription drugs in ages. Uh, knock on uh, fake wood, I guess this is. Uh, so hopefully that I don't need to be on prescriptions uh, anytime soon. But here's the thing. People get these drug tests for their job, you know, Sometimes it's because you're having custody issues, right? So you might be in family court or juvenile court and you've got family issues. Maybe you're at the hospital. Did you know that they will drug test you at the hospital and you may not know about it? The minute you go in, you're signing consents for all kinds of things. And if you're not reading those very carefully, one of those may be a consent for a drug test. If you go into the emergency room and you're unconscious, Maybe you're in a coma because you had a really terrible traumatic brain injury. They're going to drug test your urine. You're not going to know. They might find things. And it's not uncommon for people who are taking Alzheimer's pills, the over-the-counter I had right there. Lots of drugs will, will, will activate the assay. Okay, I'm getting a little deep here. Will activate the first test that they run for amphetamines. It'll come up as a positive, even though you don't take street methamphetamine you're not you're not using crystal meth right you're not using that stuff you could still come back as positive so what i want to do is i want to walk through a little bit of math as well because this when we start doing the math this starts putting a few things into perspective if if you're an employer and you're requiring your employees to take a methamphetamine test this, this will probably be a little bit eye-opening for you because, uh, I mean, I do this for a living. I knew the numbers going in, but it, it was a little bit shocking when I just ran the numbers uh, a few minutes ago, just, just out of pure curiosity. So what we're going to do is, uh, in order to do this, uh, and I know this doesn't work very well over the audio, but just try to follow along with me as best you can. If you're watching the video podcast, then you'll see this in real time. Uh, in order to calculate what is the probability that someone is actually a drug user, given the fact that they have a positive drug screen, 
uh, we actually use um, something called Bayes' rule or Bayes' theorem. And uh, let me pop this up on the screen. For those of you who are uh, listening and don't have access to the video right now, let me just uh, go through this really quick. So what it says is that the the, po- the, the probability that uh, you are a drug user, given the fact that you have a positive test, is equal to um, the probability that you are a po- that you got a positive and the fact that you're a drug user times the probability that uh, you're a drug user divided by the uh, probability that you would get a positive test in general. Now, when I say the probability that you're a drug user, what we're looking at there is, is something that we call prevalence. And prevalence is the uh, probability that, you know, if we were to pull a random person out of a population, what is the probability that that person would be a drug user? Another way of calculating this is to say how many people based on various surveys that we might have, um, do we have uh, people reporting using a drug divided by the total population? That kind of gets us there as well. Uh, And that's actually uh, generally how uh, U.S. government agencies are going to calculate this number. So if you don't have a lot of drug users in your population, guess what? The probability of you randomly choosing a drug user is extremely tiny, right? It's kind of like, imagine if you had a a lottery drum, right? And you've got like a thousand balls in there, but you only win if you choose the one right ball, right? So let's say we have a thousand balls in there and you have to choose one right ball. That that one right ball has a prevalence of one over a thousand, right? So it's kind of that kind of thing. Uh, Think of it like that. So think of uh, you've got a bunch of uh, balls in there representing drug users, and they're painted, uh, I don't know, let's paint them green. And then the rest of the balls are all, I don't know, purple, okay? And so now you're looking at the, what is the probability of me drawing one of these green balls out of a sea of purple? Because most people are not actually active drug users, right? That's, that's, That's usually a very small part of the population. And so when you're looking at this and you're looking at uh you know, Bayes rule, again, the, this probability of, of, of users is, is what we call the prior probability. This is kind of an important number, right? And so what this is telling you is that the, the probability that you're a drug user, given the fact that you have a positive drug test, is not just based on the true positive rate of the test. The true positive rate is the ability of the test to say that somebody is a drug user, um, you know, versus not. So it's like the probability that you have a positive test from somebody who is a user, um, that's your true positive rate. But again, what's important here is how many drug users are actually in the population, okay? And so what we can do is we can expand this out for those of you who are watching on YouTube. You know, the the denominator gets uh, uh, expanded out, okay? So now we're looking at the po- the probability of positive uh, given a user times the probability of the, uh, that you know that this is an, a user, plus now we have to take into consideration the po- the probability of the positive from a non-user. This is going to be your false positive rate, okay? And I'm going to be looking at a specific test here. This is the EMIT2 plus amphetamines assay. It's used quite a bit by a lot of different labs, and I just went to the FDA website. I got the approval letter for this particular assay, 
And in the approval letter, it actually lays out what the performance characteristics are for this assay. Again, this is a fairly commonly used assay. This particular assay, you know, has um, 58 uh, positives, um, and the uh, number of uh, negative, you know, false negatives is, uh, you know, one out of 58, you know, so on and so forth. So we, we've got, you know, this thing produce, you know, performs pretty well. And I've actually got my numbers over here. Do my Rush Limbaugh thing where I move around a bunch of papers so you know I'm actually looking at papers here. So I've got a true positive rate, uh, I believe, of uh, 98.3%. A true negative rate of 93.8%, a false positive rate of 6.2%, a false negative rate of 1.6%. What this tells us is that it does a really good job of picking out the positives. It does a decent job of picking out the negatives, right? It doesn't get all the negatives, but it does a pretty good job, right? And that's what's important here. So we plug these numbers into these equations, or equation, it's one equation. We plug it into the equation, and you know, in the video, you can you can follow along through all the math, and ultimately, uh, I can see that I forgot to convert one of those things there. But anyway, what this comes down to is the probability that somebody is a drug user, given the fact that they have a positive drug test, is only twelve point six percent. And you might be saying, "What? I thought you said this thing had a high true positive rate. I thought you said this thing was dis was discriminating the negatives really well." What on earth is happening here that it's only 12.6% that the probability that someone is a user, given the fact that they have a positive test, is only 12.6%. The reason why that number is so low is because the prevalence of methamphetamine users in the population is tiny. That's why. That is why. So what we have here is you got to go back to this prior probability. The prior probability is clear. It's less than 1%. It's 0.009. It is nine-tenths of 1% of the, of the population, of the U.S. population, are methamphetamine users. Very few people in the entire United States are actually methamphetamine users. As a result, the likelihood that you're going to randomly choose an actual methamphetamine user is extremely low. And so what this is doing is it's taking this math and it's, it's bringing in a dose of reality, all right? Because we know the likelihood that this person is actually a methamphetamine user is quite low. This test is not infallible, okay? Now, this is just based on the performance characteristics that we have for the assay with actual methamphetamine. What this, what this doesn't tell us is the number of false positives we have due to people using over-the-counter drugs. That's what this isn't telling us. It doesn't tell us that number because that number isn't in this. So believe it or not, this number is probably kind of high, really, because we have to also account for positives that are not due to methamphetamine use because you could have a positive due to using levmethamphetamine instead of dextromethamphetamine. There are Alzheimer's drugs that will get metabolized to methamphetamine. There are other drugs that get metabolized to methamphetamine, and there are drugs that look like methamphetamine that aren't actually methamphetamine. So what we end up having is a big, big, big problem here, right? So at best, at 
best, it's 12.6%. Now, let's flip the script. What is the probability that a non-user is going to give a positive test? This was the number that shocked me. This is the number I never calculate. I, I never calculate this when I'm doing uh, talks with physicians and, and uh, attorneys and judges. I never calculate this number. This is the first time I, I actually thought, I wonder what is the probability that a non-user is actually going to be positive. I've never done this. I've never calculated this number. I have no earthly idea why I've never calculated this number. It's 80, 87.4%. 87.4%. If you are a non-user and you get a positive, 87.4%. So if you get a positive test, I, I, I said it wrong there. Let me say it this way. If you get a positive test, okay, you get a positive methamphetamine test, 87.4% probability that person is a non-user. Whoa. Think about that. Think about that. What I'm saying is, Somebody, somebody could be a non-user. They could get a positive test. There's an 87.4% likelihood that that person is a non-user, right? So there's a very high likelihood that a non-user could actually get a positive test. If you see a positive test, 87.4% likelihood that that person is a non-user. And again, it's because of the prevalence. There are so few methamphetamine users in the United States that because of the test characteristics, there is an extremely high likelihood that that positive test is for a non-user. Think about that. So if you're an employer and you require your employees to take a methamphetamine test, there's an 87.4% chance, if they're using this test, 87.4% chance that that person doesn't actually use methamphetamine. What on earth? So, okay, I get it. You're an employer, you're a judge, you're an attorney, you're a state agency that is requiring this drug test. There has to be a better way of doing this, right? Because you don't want children being raised by drug addicts necessarily, right? There's a concern about neglect. There's a concern about abuse. There's a concern about all kinds of things. That's not a great environment for children to be raised in. So what's a state to do? I can tell you drug testing probably isn't the best way to go about it. I mean, you got to remember, the drug test is a screen, right? The drug test is a screen. It is a screening approach. Now, we're talking about immunoassays here. Now, let's say you do the immunoassay. There's a next step you're supposed to do to confirm this. Yeah, there's a next step. You do GCMS or LCMS, okay? So you do this other way that's a more confirmatory test. So you, do, you run that test. And that test will say, okay, so this is the structure of the compound. And based on that, you'd say, aha, this test, which is far more accurate because it's telling me the actual structure, says that uh, this person is methamphetamine. Full stop. That you're not done. You are not done. Because this over-the-counter levomethamphetamine structurally on a GCMS looks just like dextro 
methamphetamine. Ah, now what do I got to do? So you're saying that the first test isn't proof positive. I got to run the second test, which in my field we call it an orthogonal assay because it's measuring the same thing but in a completely different way. So that gives you much more increased evidence of the fact that there's methamphetamine in here. And I agree with that. But we don't know if it's levomethamphetamine or dextromethamphetamine. So you got to do one more test. One more test. And that is the enantiomer-specific test. Because that is the only way to know. Did this person ingest levomethamphetamine or dextromethamphetamine? Did this person get exposed to levomethamphetamine or dextromethamphetamine? Dextromethamphetamine, that is the street drug. That is the street drug. Levomethamphetamine is the -the over-the-counter drug. This is levomethamphetamine. So you need to do the enantiomer-specific test. Now, someone might say, now, wait a second. Can't you get methamphetamine by prescription? And the answer is yes. There are several drugs, especially for ADHD, that are prescribed um, that are methamphetamine. And some of them are 50-50. It's the levo and the dextro. Some of them are mostly dextro. But yes, um, you need to have the dextro form. So there are some people who legally take methamphetamine. And one of the concerns we have with people who are legally taking methamphetamine is, are these people diverting the drug? Diverting is the fancy word in my field for, are they selling it? Okay? That's one of the things that we get concerned about, is this person may have this drug, but they may derive economic benefits that are such that they would rather get the money than have the pharmacological effect. Or maybe they don't like the side effects, and so they decide to sell it to their friends. It happens a lot. So if that's what's happening, drug testing is a good way for us to identify, are they actually taking their drugs or not? It doesn't tell us that they're diverting, right? You may have a suspicion of diversion, but you'd actually have to go into their medicine cabinet, or you'd have to witness them selling it, right? If, and even if you went into the medicine cabinet, that still wouldn't tell you that they're diverting. They could be throwing it away for all you know. So the only way to know for sure that somebody is diverting is to actually physically see them diverting. You can't just use a drug test and say, well, the drug test says you haven't been using your, uh, your prescription, so therefore you're, you've been diverting. No, it doesn't work that way. That's, that's illogical. That is, that is one step that may give you some cause to then do a further investigation to see are they actually diverting, right? You still got to do the police work. You still got to do the detective work. The tests only tell you what's happening with respect to is it in their body or not at a given time that you test it. It doesn't tell you what they're doing with it. It doesn't tell you what their behavior is, right? So when, when you go to make a determination or take an action, you need to actually know what's going on here. So if you have an employer, or sorry, if you're an employer and you have an employee who tests positive and you do the GCMS, so now you've got an additional line of evidence to say this person actually has methamphetamine, what's supposed to happen is then a medical review officer or a toxicologist like myself can then intervene and ask the individual for a list of all their prescriptions. You know, show me all your prescriptions. 
And then we can go through there and we can say, okay, so here's your prescriptions. Oh, this one, this is methamphetamine or, oh, this one gets metabolized to methamphetamine. That would be, um, you know, why you're coming up positive in this test. But if they don't give me that and I'll ask them for, you know, are you taking any OTCs, right? Because I want to know if they're taking this. If they tell me they're taking an OTC, lev- uh, levomethamphetamine, then the next thing to do is the enantiomer test. And I want to see that over 80% of the methamphetamine in the enantiomer test is levomethamphetamine. Because at that point, that would be consistent with them taking over-the-counter levomethamphetamine. If it's lower than 80%, then that's probably more indicative of a prescription use. Uh, There are certain prescriptions that are a mixture of dextromethamphetamine and levomethamphetamine. And so that's going to be something where I'm going to be, hmm, yeah, that might be a prescription. I, I need to see your prescription in order to validate this. And if they can't produce the prescription, you know, then that might be an indication that, you know, they need to be investigated further, right? So the test can give you indications to follow up on, but the test itself is not proof that they are abusing a drug that they aren't supposed to or anything like that. You need to do additional work. It can be evidence to um, help you make certain kinds of decisions on the next steps and the actions. But the thing I want you to really take away from this is because the number of people who are actually methamphetamine abusers is so low that we're going to trap people who are not methamphetamine users And so we need to make sure that we're doing our due diligence and we're doing the additional tests that are required. If you have no idea how to do that, you need to go talk to a professional who does. Okay. Now, having said all that, what are the things I want you to remember? If you remember nothing else I say, I want you to make sure that you remember that just because you have a positive drug test, that doesn't mean that you're actually, you know, some kind of drug abuser. That doesn't mean your employee is a drug abuser. It doesn't mean that the the mom or the dad is a drug abuser. All it means is that that they have a positive test and we need to follow up on it. There's an extremely high likelihood that you can have a positive test from a non-user. And that's why it's important to use an orthogonal assay, an assay that measures the blood, the urine, the hair, whatever you're using. It measures it in a completely different way and it's more sensitive. That is critical. That is critical. Because now that additional evidence is going to overcome any kind of reservations that we have due to the fact that, you know, you have a low prevalence of meth users in your community, for instance, right? So it's critical that we do that, that we have this orthogonal assay. Number three, if we are dealing with a methamphetamine drug test, Remember, there is over-the-counter levomethamphetamine that will show up as a positive in the drug test. The only way to know for sure that they're using that OTC methamphetamine is to do an enantiomer test. All right. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Critical Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Lyle Bragoon. Uh, make sure you uh, like and share and uh, tell your friends. Uh, you know, I'd love to grow the listenership. Um, also, uh, let's see what else did I want to say? Oh, happy Valentine's day. I think I started off with that, but I'll say it again. Happy Valentine's day. Um, 
if you're listening to this, uh, you know, afterwards, uh, then belated happy Valentine's Day. Anyway, I'm Dr. Lyle Bergoon. Thanks you. Thank you for listening to the Critical Science uh, Podcast. I hope you have a great day. Thanks.